Welcome to the It's All Fine and Danji podcast, where hosts Dan and Angie talk with creatives, small business owners, charities, and all kinds of interesting people. It's all real talk. It's all fine and Danji. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. I know you haven't seen us around for a while. We've four months. You believe that? Been on like a four month hiatus. So, where the heck did we go? <laughs> Man, it has been. Uh, so, I'm just going to say as a disclaimer um, first off, yes, thank you guys for joining us. We're so happy to be back. We never intended to shut down the podcast for four months. But I'm going to tell you, just, you know, in the same way that we kind of came forward and said, we're just going to be ourselves now and maybe you're going to hear an F-bomb or something and we're just going to be normal. I just want to do like a disclaimer, a warning for this one, because when we tell you what happened and where we've been and largely why we've been away, mm-hmm. I had a medical issue and I've told a bunch of people this. Some people are like, say no more. I don't want to hear the details. And other people are like, ooh, what happened? Well, I'm going to tell you the fucking nitty gritty details <laughs> of it this time. And it, it it's the roughest thing I have ever been through in my life. And I'm so happy to be past it. Yeah. So we might be a little rusty as we're getting back into the groove <laughs> of being in the studio and chatting and telling you what we've been up to. And a lot has really been going on since our last episode. Um, the last episode, we were at the... Um, Altamont Springs Art, Craft, um, and Wine Festival. That's right. And we were actually doing the podcast from there. That's right. Which we were, was really fun. Yeah, it was great. It was the most book sales I have ever done yeah. for Daniel Fox books. It was so yeah. great. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about you know what I've been doing with that. But it, it was um, we talked about the kayaking for your birthday and all that. That's yeah. how long ago it was. And yeah, here we are now. You know, four, past the, now, now that we're older, four months goes by so fast. It yeah. doesn't feel like it's it does and it doesn't feel like I it's been that totally long. agree totally agree. and i just want to say as dan kind of mentioned you know he's going to get into the nitty-gritty but there's a reason why he wants to do that not just to let you guys know what we've been going through and yes. you know it's been uh you know stressful you know the the last month or so has been you know a little more easygoing but for three months it was very stressful and you know it was it was a lot of um emotional ups and downs and physical up and downs and indeed and the reason though that we really want to talk about it is to raise awareness especially for the guys listening yes and i mean even the women listening if they're noticing things are happening to their men that we can you know kind of hopefully get people have a more an earlier awareness of kind of what you went through indeed and not have to go to the extreme right of what we've went through here in this house yeah yeah that's a great point angie but um and thanks for saying that but so this is going to get deeply personal and i am a, a very open book kind of person i don't really have too much in the way of personal life i don't really care i've never been that way but so i'm just going to get right to it here so i've had a prostate issue that started in 2017 so i just noticed one night i just got up and i had to pee and i went back to bed and maybe 10 minutes later i had to pee again and it just started becoming a thing and i think it was maybe the month prior to that where i had one instance that kind of came and went i was driving to south florida south florida mm-hmm. for my bosses we were having like a management executive sort of conference f- for a couple of days and I had to stop to pee. And you know, I'm on a road trip. I had to pick up somebody from the airport. So I'm on a timetable. Everybody has to stop and pee. Sure. But yours was an urgency. Well, yeah. Like I had to stop and pee. 
And then I got back in the car and it was five minutes later, I really had to pee again. And it was freaking me out. I was like, what the hell? I barely made it to the another gas station. So you were actually on the phone with me when that, because you were like a little concerned. Yeah. And you were like, you know, when you hear in somebody's voice that there is, it is an emergency. Like it, if it doesn't, if I don't find some place right now, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. That was like kind of what was in your voice. Right. And I'm not like that with that. So I was ready to pull off the side of the road and just pee in front of everybody on the interstate because I was dying. So, but it came and went and I thought, okay, you know, tell him what was that. And then maybe three weeks later, I'm kind of trying to remember this is way back in 2017, yeah. but got up to pee in the middle of the night and suddenly had to pee a lot. And this this peeing a lot thing went on and on for maybe a month before I said, I got to go to the doctor. Something's wrong. So I'll cut to the chase on this piece of it. But when I finally got to a urologist referred to from my regular doctor, they did the old prostate exam. And sure enough, you have a swollen prostate. And the first thing that many of us think of then is, oh, God, do I have cancer? And it was like, no, 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 no. W- what's crazy to me is we've learned since then, is it it's um, eight out of 10 men will get a swollen prostate in their lifetime. Normally it's when you're older, but it's younger and younger men are getting it. And that's the, that's the thing we really want to tell you about because my urologist who is a, he's a renowned physician for this and surgeon. He's got a couple Mm -hmm. books out and the guy is amazing, but he, um, you know, he said they're seeing young people more often. It's like um, sometimes guys in their 20s are having swollen prostates. And we're going to guard all the names here besides mine. But we talked to a friend recently whose son has an issue that seems like it might be a swollen prostate who's who's very young for this problem. So I don't know if it's processed food. I don't know if it's lack of exercise in the world. I don't know what's causing it because we're pretty active. But yeah. this is what everything started with. So we said, okay, what are my options? And what I did is I got on medication after trying every natural thing, including like acupuncture. And I mean, nothing we, was fixing yeah, this. We've tried acupuncture. We tried like different herbal sub- supplements. We tried diet. Yeah. I mean, we, we quit sugar. Yeah. I mean, we've pretty much tried to um, do our own little research at home yep. as far as, okay, let's do this for a certain amount of time. See if we notice a difference. See if we notice a difference. And I do just want to say too, that one of the reasons that kind of prompted you to, you know, really really go to the doctor and try to solve this is it did affect quality of life. Of course. It sounds almost funny, honestly. To me, like if someone was telling me this at first, you're like, God, I had to pee every 10 minutes. You start laughing. You're like, man, that sucks. But then you start thinking about the fact that I couldn't get to the grocery store. I was stuck in my house. Yeah. And it was, this probably seems a little more common with COVID, but I mean, my job is on conference calls all day. Like I would have to like sneak out of a meeting and go pee and sneak back in. And it, it, it was just... I'm so thankful for the career I have because if I was working construction or something or, or, or trying to run a business or something, yeah. I, I would, it would have fell apart without help. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, the, the, yeah. So things like kayaking, out. you can't go sit yeah. and, and kayak for, you know, four to eight hours because you can't jump off your boat every time. Yeah. I mean, that's just not how it works. Right. <laughs> um, biking, you know, there's not places to go to the bathroom and you might say, oh, and I, I did the same thing to you. I'm like, well, you're a dude. Just go over in the woods. Yeah. But it's not like that. And explain why it's not like that. Well, that's, what happened? That's a great point. So, 
you know, as it's, and it's, it was, it would, I would have ups and downs where it'd be really bad one day and you never know. And then it would get so not bad for three days or so. You'd be like, I think it's going away. And then boom, it would be back. And I learned from my surgeon. That's what happens. Yeah. And you kind of forget about it in those good times. You're like, oh, it might be gone. Yeah. And so what, you know, the reason I couldn't just go pee every time. So let me just explain what a swollen prostate is for those of you that may not know. So picture the prostate as a, almost of a donut shape and, and, and it sits right at the bottom of a man's bladder. So right where the tube comes out the bottom of your bladder, picture like, you know, your bladder with a tube hanging out the bottom, it goes through this donut of a prostate. And when your prostate swells, it squeezes the inside of the donut, which thus squeezes the tube the pee comes out of. So the reason you have to pee all the time is you're not getting it all out. And Mm -hmm. so you go to pee and you're like, oh, I'm dying to pee. And then it's a tiny little pee. And I used to make the joke that I hear the guy in the stall next to me and it sounds like, and I'm like, oh, I remember those days. (laughs) Arsenio Hall made a joke about his, you know, getting older and his son. I love telling this because it it puts a little brevity on the whole thing and it doesn't sound so serious because I'm about to get really dark here for a minute. But he said, you know, for me, I, I'll come into the bathroom. My son's already at a urinal. I stand at the urinal next to him. He's like blasting the porcelain off the urinal. <laughs> He's He finishes, he goes and washes his hands and leaves. And I'm still trying to get going at the urinal. Then I'm like, bloop, bloop. And then I go to the <laughs> sink and wash my hands and I'm heading for the door. And oh shit, I got to pee again. That's but, how it was. And, and and really with men, what that brings with it is some embarrassment. You know what I mean? You, oh, yeah. you, I mean, you have to talk about that because- sure. Yeah, when you're like just standing there and three people have came and gone before you've even gone to the bathroom. Right. It's and I'm, like what that, because you guys have such a exposed restrooms, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we don't have that as women. But I am <laughs> notoriously like one of the people that I don't have stage fright, you know, yeah. I can just go pee anywhere. And so it was weird because all of a sudden it was like all this concentrations required to pee. And if you're talking to me like at the office a few times I had gone in, it's like, not not going to happen until you stop talking to me and leave. But again, I'm such an open person. I learned early on, and this is really good advice, I think, for any man that might be going through this. Fuck it. Just talk about it because, and that's what I would do. Like I'd be standing there, you know, you never switch hands just for the record because I am a super clean person, but yeah. I'd have my phone in my hand on my right hand at the urinal and somebody would go, Oh man, you can't get off your phone for a minute. I'm like, dude, I got a swollen prostate. I might be here for a while. I might watch a movie on Netflix. And I was just making a joke out of it. But I think that's important too, because it is, it does take such a toll on you and not only you, the people in your household, of course, yeah. um, that if you don't make a little bit of light of it, it's going to get to you mentally. I mean, it's already, even when you were making light of it as much as you could is a serious issue. And it did have a big mental toll, take a mental toll on you. It's so true. Thanks for adding that because it was, you know, I was trying my best to learn how to manage the problem. And so you're probably thinking, so what do they do when you got there? Well, the, you know, he, the, the surgeon gave me my options and we said, well, I'm going to try some natural things first. Like we said, those just didn't work. I mean, we tried for months on, I say we, because Angie was right there with me through all this. But, you know, finally we said, okay, I'm just going to take the medicine. So they put me on finasteride, which Mm -hmm. ultimately I was on for, geez, a couple years at least. Yeah, And it's one of those things like a placebo because I learned when I got off of it, it really wasn't helping. Yeah, It was just that I learned in the moments in between, like if we said, hey, we're going to go kayaking, this weekend, I would just hope it was going to be a good day. And if it wasn't a good day, 
then it was a struggle. And it was, we've had some times where we've been out and it's been stressful because I got to pee right. I'm going to pee in the kayak, in my pants. I, I can't yeah. stand up and pee off the side. It's gator water. And, and I, you, you know, can't sit down and pee because you have a swollen prostate. Right. Mm, and so I would yeah. have to, that's a great point too. You can't really even sit down for a long time. I'm sitting on donuts everywhere and I'd have yeah. to just pull off into the mucky gator water and just, you know, do it. Just got to, got to do it. Got to do it. You don't have a close encounter. <laughs> right. And, oh, I do want to say this for the women listening as well. How I would describe what the pain you were going through. Yeah. Most women have experienced a UTI, urinary tract infection yep. in their life. Imagine living with that every day with no relief for two, three, four years. Oh, it was, and that's yeah. how, that's in his really bad times. It was a little bit every day, not as bad every single day, but when it was really bad, that's what I would describe it as. Yeah. Because you feel like you got to pee, but you can't get it all out. And there's a uh, little bit of relief when you pee. And as soon as you're up and walking back around, you got to go again. And, and that's and horrible. I, and I tried everything. Like I quit coffee for a while. I quit, did no alcohol. You mm-hmm. know, it's like our social life of going out and having a drink was gone. It was uh, going to meet with friends was gone because it was like, I can't, I can't make it. I'm not going to be able to make it. And it, it was, it took a definite toll on our ability to really do anything you know, active or even social. It just, we, I learned to manage it over the, the couple of years, but I mean, we would go to like a St. Patrick's day party and I would have to run to the bathroom in some cases every five minutes. So a perfect example of how it affects, you know, quality of life or lifestyle is that, um, Dan and I had made some plans to do an archery class. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about nearby. that. I blacked all this yeah, out. Yeah, and it was rainy and, you know, wet out, but we were going to do it anyway. It was cold, but but as soon as we got there, it was kind of, you know, not near anything. And as soon as we got there, he emergency mode and they said, oh, there's a bathroom up there. He couldn't find the bathroom because it was like a little barn area and it's very confusing. And the next thing I know, I'm standing out in the rain. Dan's gone. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what in the heck happened? Because, I can't get a hold of him. Yeah. I don't have my phone on me. Um, or I didn't have my watch, so I couldn't I didn't get service or something. Yeah, yeah. And thirty minutes later he shows back up. He literally had to leave yep. and rush in the car to try to find a gas station to go pee. Yeah, and I'm telling you, you know, if you think you might be going through something like this. Uh, you know, we, I, I couldn't be more understanding and I wish there were more, I found a few discussions online where I want to go back now and just kind of tell my story because I feel like I reading other people's stories helped me, but it wasn't quite what I was going through. Yeah. But just like you said about the archery thing, the weird thing is when you got to pee, it's now. And the analogy I usually give is if you've ever been on a really long road trip and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to say anything, but I got to pee. And then you're struggling to find a bathroom, but you've been holding it for an hour and each bump is hurting. It feels like you're going to burst. Yeah. It, 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 when you have a swollen prostate, you go from not having to pee to that feeling immediately. There's no in between. You yeah. go from completely empty to full in one second. And it's weird because you rush into the bathroom to pee and it's just a little bit of pee and, you know, you get enough relief to, it, it's a miserable thing. We, we went through that for years. Yeah. And finally I had had enough and I said, you know, nothing's really working. I read about this new surgery they do where they can go up through one of your main arteries in your arm or your leg and they deposit these little beads into the blood flow of your prostate and it essentially starves it for blood, shrinks the prostate and it's outpatient surgery. 
and you're good to go. Minimally evasive. Sounds wonderful. Right. So I went to my surgeon and said, I really want to do this. It's called PAE and it stands for, I don't know what, something. We'll put a link in the show notes for PAE, but it's something oblation. I forget what it's called. I'll look it up while you're you're telling the rest of the story because we want to get to why we've been on hiatus (laughs) for four months. Yeah. And I'm just going (laughs) to warn you once again, this is your last warning. It's going to get graphic. (laughs) I'm going to tell the the deep, dark side of all this. So I went in for the PAE. They did uh, an MRI of... uh, my, you know, that's that's the process to, to see how bad your prostate is. PAE is prostate arterial embolization. There you go. Thank oh, you. Big long word. PAE, just remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wasn't a candidate. Long story short, you have to be a candidate. And because my prostate is swollen on the insides, but, I mean, remember that donut. So we're now we're talking about where the tube goes through. They measure it across. So the outside of my prostate really hasn't swollen very much. Because some men, it swells out. And that's when men kind of feel like they're sitting on something yep. almost. It's I had kind a little of bit of that. to sit. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, some swells in too. And probably some of it does both. Right. You know. So if you picture a donut with no hole in the middle, that's what mine was starting yeah. to do instead of a bigger donut. Mm-hmm. So so I was not a candidate for that. And I said, all right, well, I got to do something. What do we do? I really don't want to get my prostate removed. That is crazy invasive. I had a friend of mine who was in his late 50s, early 60s and had this done. You can lose the ability to get a boner if you, you know, there's a lot of risks here. And so I really didn't want that. And he didn't want to do that. My surgeon didn't want to do that anyway. So he said, you know, the, the gold standard for this problem, usually in older men, is something called a TERP. And Angie's going to look up what that means too, but I'm going to tell you what it is. So a TERP is essentially where they take a device, they go through the front door. So <laughs> right through the front door yep. and they, when they get up in there, they essentially cut away the prostate that's in the way mm-hmm. and clean the pipe out. And that's, it, it's, it's quite invasive and that's the process that they have to do. So, so we did the scan. What's the, what's TERP stand for? Um, transurethral resection of the prostate. Right. Okay. There you go. So TERP, <laughs> that's the, so it's T-U-R-P, but, um, so when they did that initial scan, you know, do the MRI, it's just standard procedure. I'm back in there two weeks later for the MRI results. He comes walking in and reviews the paperwork with me. And it says clinical, I'll never forget this statement, mm-hmm. clinically significant cancer likely present. You know, it goes from one to four and one meaning you don't have any cancer, you're all good Two, very unlikely, three, probably unlikely, four, you definitely probably have cancer and five, you definitely have cancer. Mm-hmm. So I was freaked out. And so we're getting paperwork together. I'm getting my will and power of attorney and all this stuff together and signing, you know, Angie on for everything. I know I feel, it sounds like a morbid thing to do because you've, and I'm the, I'm like a thinker of, you know, oh, why are we putting this negative energy yeah, into me this? Too. But it's, it, we're older. It's important when things like that happen to get your ducks in a row. Right. And my doctor is so calm, cool and collected, but he was concerned. He's like, yeah. we got to get in there. Yeah. They found a mass. So. Next step, you can imagine the two weeks between that and the surgery. I, you know, I never think about, you know, dying or anything at this age, really, except in a very scientific way, like in 20 years, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, you start thinking, I might have to, not even emotionally, I was just thinking, I might have to let it all go. I got to get it all together. I got to know how to make sure everybody's taken care of. And that was my thoughts and my go to on it. And then there were some sad moments here and there. But, and I know, Angie, you are. I'm getting teary eyed, actually. Me too. Uh, but, I, you know, 
uh, I'm going to fall apart on the podcast here, yeah. but, but Ooh. you're, you know, you, you're, Angie is very, because you start remembering the emotions, know. you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're kind of in the clear now, yeah. but like when I start thinking about the emotions, it's... yeah. Oh, babe. Nope. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> we're holding hands now. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it was, you know, you're a very, you're like me. We're not super emotional people. We're yeah. pretty tough and scientific and we just don't like overly sappy stuff. No offense, but you know, I've been that way in my life and it never felt comfortable to me. So, but we had some moments and it almost meant more to me that we were having those moments because it was like seeing you struggle, Angie, it was like, um, you're so good about being strong and quiet about it. And when I see, saw you, that's what my go-to was. I was like, Oh my God, my heart's breaking because I never see you that way. So I was like, this is, you know, I'm like, between the two of us, I'm the one to cry during a movie and you're fine. <laughs> and so seeing you like that was, it, you know, it was, it was really tough for me, but they went and did 18 biopsies of my prostate. So that's really just 18 little sections. You know, this one, they go through the rear door and they, uh, my, my system so my, my system is, is pretty beat up. But uh, I said I, I tell everybody Dan's pretty much a woman now because he's <laughs> he's been so you well, know what we go through with like uh, you know our regular annual visits and dude, stuff like that. I'm like you've I'm, been through it all now. The, I'm, the whole joke is, and it's kind of not a joke. Like the first time you go in there and you got to get a prostate exam, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to put our finger in your butt." They don't say it that way, but. Uh, you're like, oh my God, oh shit. Uh, okay, well, and then, you know, cut to me three months later and I'm on my phone with my elbows on the table just waiting for him to finish. It's like, whatever. Yeah, we need to we need to get someone else in here. No problem. Don't care. Yeah, but, so you, and I'll, I'll talk about how you get tougher as you go through this stuff, but 18 biopsies, you know, of the prostate at once. It's These are little sections they take with a needle. Every one of them is clear. It's not cancer, but it is chronic inflammation. Excuse me, chronic inflammation which leads can lead to cancer. Mm -hmm. So now there's an urgency to take care of the problem. So I decide with my surgeon, Terp is the way to go. Yeah. And if you look this up, if you're going through something, the success rate is super high, not in the yeah. 90 something percentiles. But it, it is a very, for a man, or even for me, it is a very scary surgery to look at. You uh, know, yeah. just the thought of it. And once Dan gets into describing what it huh. is, it, it's very overwhelming. It's like, this is definitely your last resort. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not something you want to do. But, yeah. But so, you know, the first sort of process that I went through in all of this is they do what's called a cystoscopy, where they take a little camera on a wire and they stick it back through the front door up in there to see what's going mm -hmm. on. And then they go from there. And the first time I did a cystoscopy, put it this way, I paid like $1,700 to have a time in the hospital to meet my surgeon, to put me out, to go in there and do it. And when it's only like $50 outpatient in the office and I, now I've had it done both ways. And after going through what I've gone uh -huh. through, I'm like, yeah, just do it. I don't care. Yeah. Take my pants off right away. So it's like <laughs> you get tough, but you know, leading up to this, it was stressful. We planned it out. December 3rd was my surgery. We planned it on December 3rd for a reason. It's like, Christmas break. It's, it's away from work anyway. Uh -huh. So I went in, I did the surgery, you know, Angie went in with me. Uh, I come out of surgery. He That's says, why our last podcast was at the end of November yeah. because we had the event in November and, and then, then a couple events and then we did the surgery. And mm -hmm. we mentioned being away for a little while, but unbeknownst to us, and this is, I want to be very clear about this. My, my surgeon did an amazing job, mm -hmm. but I happened to be one of the few people 1%. <laughs> that had a insane complication. So I had the surgery, 
all is well. What they do after that surgery, you wake up in the hospital and you have a catheter in. And this type of catheter, there's a tube going right into the front of your junk. And it, it basically, there's these clear bags of saline or whatever it is that are going into that tube and then coming back out of it and another sort of channel is all of the stuff that's coming out of your bladder. It's blood and urine and it's pink and it's dark and all that stuff. So let's just describe what the turp is. So literally it's almost <laughs> like a roto-rooter. Like yeah. it's kind of, that's why it's intense and kind of scary. Yeah. Because you know? when they go through, when they go through right through the front of your junk with this device that cuts away the pr- prostate and and I'm glad you mentioned saying it again so we get more detail but you know it cuts away the swollen part but then it also has to carterize where it's taken off so you're not just hemorrhaging blood you know that's that's what your surgeon does so the surgeon you know carterizes because there's so many vessels that come into the prostate and you know most men are what what's the number one thing you were afraid of impotence yeah you know i mean there's a there's a low chance of it breaking breaking you know your ability to get an erection but like i said my friend who had the prostate removal he couldn't get a boner for a year and he had to go through like physical therapy and all this kind of stuff and that's a very just thinking about god i'm only 50 years old please tell me that i'm not gonna break my junk but that's because if there is so many delicate little vessels tiny little vessels in there but what your surgeon did was leave a few of those vessels open so that everything could kind of like um to drain out yeah. almost by design by design, yeah, by design. And, mm-hmm. and this guy is a genius with this stuff i mean everyone oh, in the every hospital every single person we've met like oh, every nurse everybody like, oh that's your doctor oh, oh you're, no he's deal. awesome you're fine. <laughs> i mean he, he's a fast thinker he's just i really like the guy just in general and i'll yeah. get into that in a minute too and but uh he um you know so so he did yeah he goes through yeah. the front door cuts it out of the way and then basically burns the area that he's cut with a laser to prevent it from bleeding mm-hmm. except a couple spots I wake up in the hospital. I've got the catheter in. We're going to get into the horrible uncomfortability of that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you have a bag, a clear bag going in, and then all the bloody stuff coming out into this other bag, and they keep you in the hospital. And, and when we ca- say bloody, I mean it is blood. Yeah. Like the, the stuff going into the catheter bag is not urine like it would normally be. Yeah. It is pure red and it is you know chunky stuff coming out it's 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 yeah. pretty you know graphic it yeah. is and if this is making you uncomfortable we want to thank you for listening to the episode you definitely want to bail now <laughs> bail now <laughs> but over the you know so it's for different for different people but a very common practice is to send you home with a catheter mm-hmm. but for me partially because he wanted to leave it open partially by my request yeah we, we're going to stay in the hospital until i'm done with the catheter i don't want to go home with that thing yep. so you know, I'm in the hospital day by day. It's getting more clear. The catheter's getting more clear. And there's a thing that can happen and did happen this first mm-hmm. time. It happened a couple of times, but, and it's painful, but I toughed it out where the stuff coming out gets stuck and it starts hurting and it's, you it's get, because clots, it's, actual clots are coming out. And when we say clots, I'm talking big chunks, but we'll get into that in yeah. just, in just a minute where it gets even worse. But, and then what the nurse has to do is come in there and there's a little section of the th- catheter where they hook a big plunger type syringe full of uh, saline or whatever, saline, yeah. and they push it in and suck it back out and push it until it breaks free. But it feels like a swarm of bees in your bladder when they do that. Yeah. It, it, it's only for a couple minutes, but I'm just, if you're going to go through any of this stuff, you just got to be tough. Mentally prepare yourself. It, yes. You know, it's tough. And I'm not like a super tough person for that kind of thing. 
I have a high pain tolerance for like tattoos or whatever, but you know, I'm, I'm, I get mm, a finger cut. Yeah. I get a paper cut and it hurts. But Anytime people are messing with your junk though, there's a totally different thing. It is definitely. It's junk and teeth. For yeah. some reason, those two areas of your body, it's like, no, can I can't can I please get my arm amputated? You know, uh, like, but those two areas of your body, it's, it's that's super true. sensitive. Yeah. We should name this episode Junk and Teeth. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but, but so, you know, they clean out their clots and I went through a couple of times, a couple of nights, but the nurses were great. The hospital staff was great. It was, it was the best thing that can be expected. It's finally clear the stuff coming out for a couple of days. They take the catheter out, which... You're awake for that. And if you've never had that happen, you know, you do a three breath and they pull it out and it's a really weird it's feeling. Really but weird, yeah. It's not horribly painful, but And for a man it's a, probably a lot different than it is for a woman because, yeah. you know, the area that's traveled is a lot farther than what ours has to Right. Go. There's a couple <laughs> seconds of intensity, but they took it out. Now leading up to that, the worst part of all that to me is when you have a catheter in your penis, it is hard to poop. It is just, I'm just, because it's, you can't. And plus you were on a lot of pain meds. So then you have and that and then they got to give you other stuff. Uh, I mean. That it, was, that was one of the yeah. worst parts of it because you, I mean, think about, I used to tell my kids, there's no such thing as a number two. There's a one and a three because <laughs> when you poop, you're, you're peeing. Everyone does. So when you try, you know, I'm, you got to sit down, which I don't ever do to pee yep. and you're trying to poop and it's not it, the th- pressure builds up and blood's coming out of the catheter when you're it is it's a rough gig it's one of the roughest parts of the whole thing mm-hmm. but got through it left the hospital you're good to go the, i'm happy as can be you just got to supposed to take it easy now i mean well you you really had to it's i would it's equated to almost bed rest like yeah. you can walk around and move around but there is no lifting anything there is no pulling pushing nothing you did nothing three right. weeks Three weeks of three just, weeks. You did nothing. Yeah. I mean, you can't even take the garbage out. He's no. like, don't, I don't want you doing anything. And I mean, it. and I followed that to the letter, right? I was so careful with everything. And I'm like Sheldon from big bang theory. I know we talked about this, but in my mind, I thought three weeks, three, he did say, you're going to have a few clots. You're going to pee out at home. That's normal. Like the, as yeah. it's healing. So about three days before, maybe four days before Christmas, I started peeing a little blood and mm-hmm. I, I'd read that's normal. You're going to have that as you're healing. But we're about three weeks out now. Yeah, so now we're, we're about at the point where maybe you can start, you know, doing a little more I mean, and, yeah. you know, kind of testing it out and just being still easy, but, you know, still taking it easy. starting to incorporate some stuff back in. Right. Very true. But I guess in retrospect, the bleeding that I had leading up to Christmas wasn't getting better it was no. staying the same, maybe getting a little worse, but I still thought, trying to stay positive, that this is normal and it's just a little bit of dark pink blood here and there. Well, and it does it didn't help with me because I'm a, a we've already decided I'm I'm not really a great nurse. <laughs> okay, I really am not, because also I'm always wanting to think that everything is it's normal and yeah. this is just, ha- and I'm like, no, I think it's fine. No, I think it's fine. Cause I don't want to think uh, th- that it's the worst. You and know I, what I mean? That helps though, but that helps because I am the type of person that You're really. You're the opposite of but I, that. But I am yeah. more worried about other people in my life than I am myself. Yeah. And this was one of those few times where I was like, you know, is it, is it seem normal? And so together we're like, yeah, that's probably not something we should be concerned about. Yeah. I'd already told the doc and I'm having the scabs. He's like, yeah, that's normal. Just keep me posted. Anyway, so to make a long story short on Christmas day, it had been just at three weeks and I was bleeding a little bit Christmas morning. Rachel came over she opened presents with us. But you were going stir crazy. 
Yeah, I was definitely going stir crazy. <laughs> and every Christmas night, Angie and I, for the past three years, our plan is to go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It's the only time we go. So we get dressed up fancy and we go have our Christmas dinner together there. It's really a cool thing well, to do. I will say, so we were also, um, we, I think you were told it like three weeks you could have sex again. That's that's what I meant by Sheldon, by the way, because at three weeks, I'm like, okay, it's been three it's weeks. It's been three weeks. Forget, we're having sex. Forget <laughs> the conditions, but now we can have sex and for, I can do whatever I want. Forget that there is a little bit of blood. I think I'm okay. Yeah. So on Christmas Eve, we did have sex. Very, yep. just very carefully. Intense. I'm just no. kidding. It was very careful. <laughs> very, very careful. Very, and, it was weirdly structured, but yeah. yeah. It was, and then you did like, you know, so a little bit of movement around the house. Nothing. The, yeah, nothing crazy. And then Christmas Day, you know, I took the Christmas lights down because we wanted to, I'll tell you why in a minute while we did that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we normally don't do it that day, but we had some stuff coming up. Took it all down. We're getting ready to go for the restaurant that night. We're all dressed up nice, and it's starting to get bad. And now I'm starting to pee out clots that look like red oysters. I mean, we're talking yeah. big clots that are hard to push out. And I'm still trying to stay cool. Angie and I talk about it a little bit. I probably understate how intense it's getting, thinking it's going to be fine. We go to the restaurant. And my thinking was, let's just go to the restaurant, get our mind off of it. Yeah. Is we're both stir crazy, you know what I yeah. mean? And we're this is like our special night. Yeah, that we yeah. go, there's what's gonna happen? We're going to the restaurant to chill out, sit down, and eat dinner. Right. And you guys are probably like, get to the fucking point. But <laughs> the, so the point of this is it gets so bad during dinner that I it clogs on me in the bathroom. Like mm-hmm. I can't pee and I had to push and it comes out like a big glob of it it was terrible. it looked like chili you really want to be sick to your stomach. Yeah. So I come back out and I don't want to ruin Christmas dinner for Angie's all dressed up looking so but pretty. But I can and, tell by the look on his face. And I ha- and I don't even sit and I'm prepared to go to the hospital maybe or whatever. But I one thing I forgot to mention is for the surgeon and for my appointments I've been going to, you got to take pictures. It sounds weird, but you got to take a picture. You pee a blood clot, I got to take a picture of it and show it to him so he can see if it's normal. Yeah. So I took a picture of what happened in the bathroom at Ruth's Chris and showed it to Angie and then what happened? Yeah. So, well, I could kind of tell by the look on your face that you were in kind of panic mode when you came back, even though you were trying to disguise it. He hadn't hardly eaten any of his food. Like it was, and this is Ruth's Chris. He's going to eat the food normally. Sure. But I took those pictures. I sent them to a friend of ours, Trish, Trish Tavares, and um, she's a nurse. And she said, yeah, go to the hospital right now. Yeah. She kind of called ahead to the hospital, made sure they had beds available. Yeah. And that's where we, we rush home. Yeah, we, we rush home. We changed clothes. We threw yep. some stuff together in a bag. I go to the ER um, and... They the, ha- the same hospital where you had the surgery. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they they do you know they have me pee into a cup and it looks like wine. Merlot. I mean, Merlot it's, it, colored. It, mm-hmm. It's it's rough. And it's uh, so, cut to long story short, you know they have to give me an MRI first, mm-hmm. and they, or a, no, I'm sorry, a CAT scan, not an MRI. They do a CAT scan of my whole bottom half, which is weird. I never had that done before. But you're also at this point. Um, so this was like panic mode because you were actually getting clogged up. Yeah, I couldn't so pee. So you yeah. couldn't pee now and you are begging, begging, begging for them to get a catheter. In. Yeah. But and they so, took you for the CAT scan before the catheter. And you know, it's, you know, it's gone nuts <laughs> when you're like, put a catheter in. I'm ready. Put a catheter in. It's a bunch of these young women. One of them's like new to training. The and I'm like, I don't care. Somebody put a catheter in. I got to pee. <laughs> and, uh, so they did. And it was intense getting it done while I was awake. Angie was right there mm-hmm. with me. Um, 
the results come back from the scan, scan. that my bladder mm-hmm. is full of blood clots. They're all sitting on the bottom of yeah. my bladder, which means you have an active bleed. That means the surgery spot where I got surgery before is bleeding, somewhat hemorrhaging in that spot. And just backtrack to us at home. So the four days prior to Christmas, when he's taking pictures and he's showing me that this, you know, he's got bloody pee and it is red. Like yeah. when we go back and look at the pictures, we're like, what the fuck is wrong what with us? What, what, what were we thinking? Right. That is obviously blood. It was like you were having a period. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, it's probably okay. Me probably too. Just ha- so our analogy in our brain, how we were... Uh, um, being passive about it was well it's healing in there so there's scabs that are inside healing right because he just had a major surgery where things were carterized and the obviously what's happening is whenever he's urinating it's kind of passing those scabs and it's maybe peeling the scabs off and now it's opening up like when you get a cut on your skin and you peel the scab off and there's more fresh blood that comes up until that one heals up. So we just felt that every time he was urinating, it was kind of peeling those scabs back and there was exposing more flesh, fr- flesh blood, fresh blood. And that's why we were having such bright red colored um, urine blood coming out when he was urinating. So... To us, it made perfect sense. But, you know, we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We really should have been more on top of it. And that's why we're really sharing this. So that if anybody goes through this, they kind of know what the signs are to look for if, hey, something's not right. We need to kind of pay attention to this and go back to the hospital or go back to my doctor. Yeah. yeah. And this, I'm glad you keep bringing it back to the, 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 the details because sometimes we're like kind of skipping ahead. But yeah. I feel like those gory kind of details are like what's important for people if they do have to go through something. Right. Like and this. that's the real benefit. I mean, of course, I'm getting lost in the story a little because I lived it. And I will say it, it was a very intense thing. But, um, the benefit for anyone that might be realizing, I haven't got to pee a lot. Any guy out there, I'm, you know, something's going on. I don't want to scare you away from, because this is a very uncommon scenario, what's happened to me. But the upside is I'm all better now. And I we'll get to that. But I just, I, I guess I want you to know, if you think you got something going on, the best move you can do is get it checked out now. Because things get worse, 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 yeah. worse. And the worse they get kind of it's kind of like a tooth right the longer you wait on a sore tooth the worse the procedure is to get it fixed right yeah because plus also um if they do catch the it earlier medication may help right you know what i mean in your case it didn't because i do feel like we probably waited too Too long long to proceed Mm -hmm. with you know trying all the natural stuff but you know after the uh we're back in the hospital the second time on christmas day I have to get admitted to the hospital now and and i in the spirit of being optimistic and I will roll it all up here soon and I'll tell you kind of what I think overall, but in the spirit of being optimistic, it's like, you know, I, I feel like, okay, you know what? They're going to keep me in here on a catheter. It's going to start clearing up. And then he's going to say, dude, you really have to take it easy yeah. for another three weeks now. That's what I expected was going to happen. But now yeah. it's on the weekend. My surgeon, you know, he's a regular surgeon. It's, it's not, Christmas. Yeah. It's, it, he's not <laughs> going to be available on the weekend, much exactly. less Christmas. Yep. And um, so. And, and so Dan, you know, we're in the hospital on Christmas and thank God it wasn't busy or anything like that at this point. Um, then I was supposed to leave out the next day, the day after Christmas. Yeah, and I'm talking, and we're going to tell you why, but I'm talking Angie into going. She's trying to talk herself out of it now. Now, I have already paid for her and my sister-in-law, Mindy, to fly to Tennessee 
and they're going to stay there and have like a girls weekend. And and then they're going to fly back a couple days later. She's already thinking she should cancel. So I am begging her. I'm like, babe, they're literally going to keep me here for a night or two under observation. They're going to take this thing out and send me home. And you're going to have lost the trip and missed everything that you intend to go do there, which we're going to get into is a big deal. (laughs) And she's like, are you sure we go back and forth? And I want to be clear about that because you, you did not want to abandon me. And I totally told you to leave. She left and we'll get into that. And I find out, bad wife. You, I find out. <laughs> well, let's let's walk through it. So you leave, and you and tell them why you went and all that. That'd okay. Be great. So um, we finally added to our family. Yes. A little baby corgi. Yes. So we had um, purchased a corgi. The breeder's in Tennessee. Yep. So originally it was going to drive up, and then we were like, well, but that's so long and. Anyway, so me and my best friend were going to make a little couple days of it. It was her birthday on the 28th. And we were going to go up and she's going to fly with me, accompany me to get the puppy and fly back. And on the 26th, we flew up. He was in the hospital, obviously. I was worried, but, you know, I felt like, yeah, I kind of felt like, yeah, okay, we know what the problem is. They're going to take care of it. Yep. And so we went up. First night was great. You know, hung out, keeping in contact with you. Everything was good. Flashback to the next day. And I'm keeping this to myself with her. And we don't have that kind of relationship. Like normally it's like an open book about everything. But the second time in the hospital was an absolute nightmare that I literally have PTSD from. And props to the nurses that are, that are you know, busting ass in the hospital through the COVID mess. I had scenarios that so, so partially because of COVID, they completely ran out of beds while I was there. There's COVID patients on the floor. I'm in a random floor of the hospital. I found out later from my surgeon that the surgery floor is the floor you want to be on because mm-hmm. that's where they really the care is at that level. But they, the hospital don't have that option because they're out of bed. So I was lucky to get in there when I did. And some of the nurses were absolutely amazing. From the first time in the hospital, I had written a note to the director of the hospital with all the nurses' names that helped me and just said, thank you so much. I hadn't been to the hospital since I had my tonsils out when I was 12 or whatever, maybe younger. And this was just the best experience. Well, this second time was horrible. And it's it's not really the fault of the nurses because many of them were just busting their butts and overwhelmed. But some of the nurses, there was a couple of them in there, one in particular, that were just rude and like, well, I'll get here when I get here. And I'm trying not to freak out because... When I was in there and that second time and it got clogged and they couldn't get it unclogged and I'm yelling for, it got to the point where I'm like yelling for help and I'm peeing blood down my legs onto my socks. It's a disgusting, it's a pain, it's, it's a horrifying thing. I, you know, I'm yelling for someone, I can't even reach the thing where you buzz the nurse and um, it, they finally came and took care of it. They had to call a doctor from downstairs. It was very traumatic. And now I'm having to watch the bag that drains into me because if it gets too full, I have to turn it off myself because the nurses are so overwhelmed. And I'm very nervous. Like, I can't sleep. I'm watching this thing. I'm feeling for clots. I'm making sure I'm draining. It is a stressful nightmare. I can't You're rest. You're basically self-nursing at this point. Right. And so when the shift changes and the night nurses come in, this nurse that comes in, and I won't name her, but she came in and she was incredibly rude. It was, the, and, and look, I have nothing but respect for nurses. We love nurses. I, we have friends that are nurses. It is an underpaid job and you guys are underappreciated. But this nurse shouldn't have been a nurse. And she just, you know, I told her, I said, I had some really bad experiences in the past 24 hours and I can't be, you know, where it got clotted and I was yelling for help and nobody came. And just, I'm not going to be a pain to you. I know you guys are overwhelmed, but just letting you know, I won't push the button unless I'm in dire straits and I'll manage things myself here. And so you don't have to worry about it. And she said, 
I don't even know why I'm helping you. It's not even safe for me to be helping you. I have people on the other side of the floor. Um, I'll get here. If you push the button, I'll get here when I get here. And now I'm scared. And I've never been scared like this as a grown adult. And And you, and we talked after this. And I, this is when I said, call Trish right now. He's like, do you think? It's like the middle of the night. And I'm like, call her. Yeah. And he did. He called our friend. And Trish is, and I, and she is awesome because she's like, this is what you need to do to get attention. And this is what you need to do if you don't get attention that way. And if mm-hmm. you don't get attention that second way, I will be there. And I said, you have the authority. She's basically said, I, I have the authority to do whatever I need to do to make sure the patient's taken care of. And I was like, holy shit. Thank God that we're friends with them. It, it was just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it, it people, it, it, this led to, further conversations with them about how they could help if I run into trouble. But it was just, I, you know, it, it, I'll get emotional on and that one yeah, too. That made me feel better being, I was in another state. There's yeah. nothing I could do, but okay, maybe there's somebody I know that can help do something. And <sighs> that gave me a big relief knowing that now you have, you have the, you kind of know some of the inside stuff now, and yeah. now you can at least be taken care of. But then a little later you called me yeah. and to, now, I don't want you to worry, blah, 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 yeah. but yeah, they'd found they do out. have to do an emergency surgery tomorrow, Yeah, which, so we left on the 26th. We were supposed to come home on the 28th with the dog. This is the 27th, yep. and you were having the surgery on the 28th. And we didn't know and what time. And our flight wasn't until 3. Yeah, we didn't yet even yeah. know. You know, it's the thing, and it's... I, the only reason I'm sort of correcting the emergency thing is because that same nurse got upset with me when I said, yeah, I'm going to have emergency surgery. She said, you're not having emergency surgery or you'd be in there right now. You're having urgent surgery. I'm like, oh my God, okay, whatever. It's but, a fucking emergency to me. <laughs> right. Like, but, it's but, an emergency surgery. Right. Like, he's going to bleed to death if he doesn't get the surgery. Yeah, I mean, That's it, exactly I, I would not stop bleeding. Happen. That's kind of what it was. It wasn't enough of hemorrhaging. an active bleed yeah. for me to, like, lose enough blood, but my hemoglobin was going down, and yeah. I w- it was not clotting. So, the, my surgeon essentially had to do the same surgery that he did the first time, or the second half of it. He didn't have to remove anything, but he had to carterize everything yep. again. Mm-hmm. So that's and no, not just that. They took a vacuum and actually vacuumed his bladder out. I think you forgot about that. Yeah, I did forget about that. They actually had to go in and vacuum all the blood clots out of the bladder to empty it out and then carterize everything again. You want to talk about a horrifying piece of information that I got later that I'm really glad they told me. But from the bottom of my bladder to the tip of my junk was clogged with blood clots. The whole trail was clogged with blood. Yeah, it's so it crazy. was it was it was like a really bad yeah. sink block. So Mindy and I looked at each other and we're like, nope, not staying here to have fun. That's not happening. Yeah, so we took that. our rental car back, canceled our flight, rented another rental car she could take out of state, went in the middle of the night to pick up the little new baby. <laughs> Which what you were early for that too. <laughs> a day early and the lady was um was so wonderful about yeah. it though and we drove through the night and i made it probably 30 minutes before your surgery yeah she drove yeah. through the night with the dog with mindy yep got here had mindy take the dog you know i'm i'm literally being prepped for surgery when she comes in yep. that was another very emotional moment yeah <laughs> but so i go into surgery he does the carterization comes you know he comes back in the second time and he says and it's funny because when he saw me the first time he's like dude what are you doing i thought we were done <laughs> but so it just made me feel better about all of it but he said 
you have a spot in there and he's seen this on one other person years ago that is like right on the bladder neck, which is like the bottom of your bladder, top of your prostate that is just having a hard time healing. So you really need to be careful. At the time, we didn't know if I did it by moving around. In retrospect, we know it wasn't that. It was just a spot. It was going to happen. Yeah. So, so now the ble- the bleeding might not have been as bad, yeah. but we don't know that. We don't. It might have just kept t- kind of tearing open, yeah. like when a woman has a a hemorrhage in her uterus, right? And, and it if if you're having a baby and it just keeps kind of growing and it's getting bigger and yep. bigger and bigger. You so know? so you can imagine that you know they sit, so now I'm back in the hospital again for a week, another catheter for a week, the whole blood clotting thing, the whole, mm-hmm. all that stuff again. Now, you know, the whole can't poop with a catheter and just the whole nightmare again. Yeah. Finally get out of the hospital again. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> Three weeks later, and this now I have barely been moving because I am terrified and I have PTSD from the whole thing. Right about at the three-week mark again, I, I start I, peeing. I start peeing blood clots again and, yeah. and it starts getting bad and, and again. And they're, they're a little tiny at first. To and, start, and, yeah. uh, But we're on high alert at this time. And it starts becoming solid red Merlot, these big, huge oyster. I say oyster because Yeah, it's, by the time we got to the hospital this time, it was um, big cluts. You were clots, Hard time pushing them out Merlot. again. And then it was um, the it was COVID. The whole entire oh. hospital was full. They were not going to get him in. No, she told me the nurse whispered to me, and again, I'll protect the innocent here. Or, yeah. but she said it's up to a forty-eight hour wait in the waiting room here. That we don't have any beds. If you need a catheter, they'll give you one and put you back out into yeah, the waiting out room. In the waiting room. And she said, "Did you did you do a urinalysis?" And I hold up this Merlot thing and I go yeah right here and so they were all looking freaked out telling me that but there's yeah what are they gonna do? do yeah so we drove to another hospital that was I called ahead and I mean Lake County drove 45, 45 minutes, minutes with me unable to pee yeah uh, it was yeah the stayed same overnight thing. and didn't have to get surgery this time thank god so in my mind you can imagine I'm yeah. thinking now I'm gonna get the surgery a third time now I don't know what's what's going to prevent me from just continually bleeding because I've not moved or done anything this time. We yeah. got a new puppy at home that I can't even play with, mm-hmm. you know, barely because I can't move. I'm being careful to move too much. I, every time I go pee, I'm afraid it's going to be blood. Yeah. So I'm working again. You know, it's like this whole thing has just been the craziest mental nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. But the next day, the surgeon at the ER was fine, but he gets a hold of my surgeon and my surgeon says, send him to my office first thing in the morning. I go there. I meet with my surgeon. He puts it, he gets, now again, the camera they put up there, this is me flat sober and awake, (laughs) laying down. They stick the camera in there and he goes, it's that one spot still that's doing that. So he says, I don't think you need surgery, but you're going to have to wear a catheter for for a while. Yeah. So I I, I wore a catheter home, the thing I didn't want to do, but it was so worth it. Long story short, after that catheter came out, the bleeding stopped. The bleeding started again a few weeks later, but just barely. But you can imagine what's going through my mind. Oh, yeah. And then it slowly faded away. And then I get a few more clots. And then it just went on and on until yeah. God a month ago. So so I my suggestion, being the spouse of somebody going through this and, you know, not being able to do much except for just whatever I can do to help him not move or whatever, yeah. is if you do have this surgery... It, give yourself three months. Give yourself three months. To me, that is a good number of, look, you're not doing anything. But yeah. at least you know that you're giving yourself ample, ample time to heal. 
no matter what the surgeon says, no, no matter what anybody says, just give yourself three months of heal time and it's going to be rough and it's going to be mentally stressful and it's going to be emotional and it's going to be hard on the loved ones that are with you. But everybody, if they want you to heal correctly, which I've always wanted you to heal correctly, but I'm also that person that's like, oh, it's everything's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. And oh, I've yeah. just learned in this process that you really can't be like that. Yeah, I mean, you 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 have to be. And that's good advice. And I would say any any guy that's getting ready to go through, you know, d- determining what your course of action is going to be on a swollen prostate, no, please know that A, you probably aren't going to have it nearly as bad as me. Mm-hmm. And B, if you do have a bad experience like me, you're going to get through it. I mean, that's the thing that after the third time, I started wondering if I'm going to get through it. Like, is this just going to be my life now to get surgeries all the time? You're going to get through it. It's just, you know, it's not going to be easy. It may not be easy if you have it like me, but I just, you know, don't give up hope on it because I'm a firm believer in that your mindset will help you heal faster. And it was really trying for me at the end there because I felt like I was trying, I had been staying positive and, you know, I'm sure Angie was getting crazy from it because I'd come out of the bathroom every time and go, there's a little bit of pee. There was a little drop. It was fine. It was like a critical little chart showing how many times, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. I was trying to just map the whole thing out because up until just a few weeks ago, every time I went, oh, I'd get a little twingy pain in my bladder. Oh, that's it. I'm bleeding. And I wasn't, but it just became, it, it is very, like a mind I game. Mean, it's very trying. It's, you know, for me it was, you know what I mean? And then I felt I was very, you know, um, I don't get emotional all the time, you know that, but I was feeling very stressed out because I couldn't do anything for you. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know the answers and it was, yeah. So if, if anybody's going through this with the person going through, it's stressful for everybody. It really is. I forget to add And one, I felt one, like a bad wife because oh, I'm like, I don't oh. understand why, you know, so. But, you know, it's, it's, it's at some point you're like, look, if I'm going to be supportive and, and try to help you, you can't stress me out every time too. Like I have to be, one of us has to keep our head together. Yeah. And I was losing mine a little bit towards the end of yeah. this procedure. But, you know, one thing that we forgot to mention, one minor little detail from the second time, I caught fucking COVID when I was at the oh, hospital. Yeah. And then I had COVID. And then I brought it to Angie. So in the middle of all of it, we have COVID. We have a new puppy. With COVID, and now we have COVID. So anyway, that's the whole story of what happened. So we've been, I've been waiting to know that I was fully healed. And I still have to pee all the time. Yeah. But, you know, they tell you... That's that the bladder relearning what to do, though. It, it yes. can take another couple months before that's back to normal, and you just have to just keep the, your spirits yeah. up and just manage around it. And uh, because they're part of my brain wanted to go, I did all this shit, and now I have the same condition still. Yeah, but he, you know, your surgeon did say up to six months of that that See, bladder. She's already having to correct me because in three months I'd be like, it's still doing it. Yeah, because it can take the body that long to kind of. Re- I mean, it took a long time for it to get there. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like it's going to take a long time to kind of, you know, get, get, back. get back, but it's a great point, but you, that's what you just have to keep in mind. It is a long process, but in the end, you will have some relief as far as that yes. goes. And I mean, but we're very happy to be back at the podcast again. I know this was kind of like an emotional and a graphic oh, and yeah. kind of a weird topic to talk about, but I think it needs to be talked about because there's too. so many younger men, like you said, you're too young to be having this problem. And can I tell you, there and were, guess, guess what? What's the explanation for it? There's no explanation they don't for know. you guys. Well, there's you know, no you, explanation. You know, from my experiences with, with two guys in my office that are yeah. my age, one's my age and one's younger 
have had swollen prostates, have had to get biopsies, yeah. have had to take the medicine. It's a it's an anomaly, but that yeah. tells you how common it is. Yeah. And I swear, so don't if, pass those little things by that are like you know you're peeing all the time. Well, no big deal. Just go get a check. Just go get a check. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's like you know what you're in and out of there, and at least it's out of your brain. I, I ran into wear a disguise if you're embarrassed to go in there. Do you, but you're, do you remember you know. that my second visit to my urologist? I ran into a buddy from high school. That's right. Who we still see once in a while, but he had a swollen prostate and his went away. It was just a, it was like an infection or something and it went right away. So you never know. It could be minor, but. Because they do have two different types of um, reason. Like reason. It, there's a bacterial. It could be bacterial, which yeah. it wasn't for it me. It wasn't for you, but that is something to get tested as well in sure. the beginning. Make sure they test for that. Right. And I guess the, the overall moral of the story to me is if I would have had someone that had told me a story like this or anything that they'd gone through around this, it would have made me feel better knowing that they got through it and they're okay. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I, I just. Just keep that in mind. If you know someone or if you think your husband or if you think you may have something going on, they'll fix it. But, yeah. you know, it's it might. And, might and be I also want everybody to keep in mind, too, that you're like a very small percentage that the complication Tiny. happens to. My surgeon you know what I mean? does one percent. My surgeon does a handful of these procedures almost every single day. He's done thousands of them. And he has one other person that ever had a similar instance. Yeah. Who you know, had trouble healing, but you know, that tells you how rare it is. Yeah. So guys, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, we are happy to be back. We, as with any podcast, there's always changes that continue to kind of happen to improve or to, you know, to kind of fit our lifestyle. Yes. And since we do have a new puppy and we want to start getting active again, now that Dan can be more active, we are going to move our podcast to twice a month. That's right. Every other week. That's right. Um, we still are going to have great guests on. We're still going to have the focus on community and small business and interesting people and, you know, people that have great stories. There's fun topics. Yeah. You know, nonprofit stuff like that um but we are just so that dan's workload is less as well because he does all the back end stuff that really is a lot of the work yep um we're gonna move it to twice a month but we'll have some great content in there for you and excited to bring you new guests we're always looking for new guests and maybe some old guests to just kind of do some check up on some new things they have going on in their lives of course and, and their businesses yep and we're excited to to start bringing you your regular show twice a month yeah it's gonna be exciting i think that that weekend in between also gives us the ability to have updates on things we've gone and done places to see and when i do the youtube videos which i'm not going to do every single episode now it may be an audio video like we do on some of them but a real video of guests in the studio or a trip we've gone on and yeah. some information that you might want to know about what you're It gives us more time to be in the community yeah. Yeah. as opposed to just sitting in the studio and then all the work you have to do on the back end as well. Exactly. We're, we're, a, we're a two-man team here. Yeah, and the <laughs> While You're in Florida series that we started on the YouTube channel, we're going to really start adding more of those for the things yeah. that we're going and doing. And while you're in Florida, things you can do that are dog-friendly, which is all oh, of Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we haven't really formally introduced Miss Mackenzie Fox, but our little corgi is the best. She has been an absolute pleasure. She is the sweetest little puppy and hasn't destroyed anything. She's got the best personality yeah. So we're just getting her we into, her. and yeah, we do. We're getting her into <laughs> uh, doggy daycare so she can hang out with other dogs. We've bought puppy her a million school. toys, puppy school. She's so spoiled, it's unbelievable. But <laughs> she's just the sweetest. Oh, she has thing. her own Instagram. Would you like to share that so uh, everybody can see of, how beautiful and cute she of is? Of course, I'll put a link in the show notes. We if, are biased, but it is true. As soon as you see the pictures, you will agree with us. 
Yes, of course. I will do that. I'm taking a note right now. But then also we wanted to give a shout out to uh, Denny and Maria from Tornatories because you guys have heard, of, uh, heard us talk about that place. We've been there a couple of times since we last saw you. And they have started their own podcast now. It's called Denny and Maria Eat the World. That's right. And so they're big foodies, of course. And it's really interesting to see the, the differences in the two of them and eating at different places and their take on, you know, it's interesting to see how a couple, you think, oh, they'll, they'll both like everything. No, no, they have different opinions. Very and that different is great. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's really great. They review different restaurants locally and in other states. So they put their travel in there as well. Yeah. So definitely check it out. And, you know, if you have, you we're going to say it again, if you haven't been to Tornatories, make your way over there. Best Italian food in town. It really is. And and honestly, yeah. uh, their podcast is doing really well. It's like, a top, I forget what, I'm going to mess up top the numbers. 72 so. or something. And, and, food, and, and there's so many foodie ones. Like. And food globally, not just, you know, yeah. here in Florida. But if That's you great. listen to it, you you can definitely see why. It's a really cool take on being mm-hmm. a foodie. No, They're also like studying to get their sommelier licenses. So they know uh, everything yeah. about food and drink and to hear their personal opinion. on. And they're honest. Like if it sucked, they'll tell you it they sucked. Do. Which I really love. But I also love they give people second chances, too. Yeah, I do, too. Because in the food industry, one day might be a really bad day. And they understand. Yeah. Before. I mean, I will I say, it. I've never had bad food at dormitories, but, I, you know. They, or bad experience. I've never I'm had. sure they have their, their days personally when, yeah. in their workflow. But um, And just to wrap up, we also want to remind you that the Apopka Art and Foliage Festival is April 23rd and 24th at Kitland Nelson Park in Apopka. It's such a great art festival. Um, you know, I had gone to it last year. I'm not going to be there this year selling my books. I'm still working on two novels at the same time right now. Uh, taking, we'll be there shopping. Taking forever, but we will be there <laughs> shopping for sure. So so please uh, join us in helping to support that local event here in Apopka, Florida. And Angie, speaking of, uh, I guess, non-local places, do you remember the name of the Corgi place? Because we've had people ask us where they can get a Corgi after meeting our dog. Oh, yeah. So... On uh, Facebook, you can look up Cowboys Corgis. Okay. So Cowboys Corgis is who I went through, but she is retired. And so now Palmer's Pembrokes is who has taken over, but she's running the um, Cowboys Corgis site. So if you go on there, you can get in contact and they've been breeding for 30 years. They know their stuff when it comes to Corgis. And I'm telling you... They take really good care of them, and yeah. it's just it was a it was a really good experience. It was kind of a crazy experience, but uh, you know that we had a good breeder because she's like, yeah, no problem. Come get your baby in the middle of the night and visited with us, and we had coffee, and you know, like before we got on the road to drive home all night. And I can call her anytime, any questions, and I share pictures with her, and it's really great. And it's so great. Yeah, yeah her name is Lana. Lana. She mm-hmm. is great. And speaking of which, be prepared for dog pictures if you follow us on any of our yep. social media. If you because... don't like dogs, don't follow us. <laughs> That's right. Because If we... you don't like a dog, we don't like you. <laughs> I'm just going to say... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, definitely. Something dog. wrong with you if you don't like dogs. Oh, yeah. We're those people now for sure. We definitely are. But anyway, thank you guys for joining us as always. We will see you in two weeks. And right. remember, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, all fine and dandy. Remember, at the end of the prostate surgery. <laughs> <laughs>